When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Welcome, rock and rollers, to episode number 22 of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast, recorded just off Abbey Road here in central London. And I gotta tell you, it feels great to be out and about again. We just came out of a long lockdown here in London and England and and most of the devolved governments uh, on the island here. And spring has sprung a bit. There's a lot of sunshine. There's a lot of bloom out there. And this past weekend, my family and I got to eat out at a restaurant for the first time in about five months. And I gotta tell you, It was wonderful. I don't know if everyone in America is really experiencing lockdown the way we have here, but it's been pretty tight, and these last four months have gotten kind of old here through the winter, and homeschooling, and everybody under one roof. It's been uh, been not fun, but it seems like we're all coming out of it thanks to the jabs, and I did get my first jab this week, which which feels great, makes me feel good. Maybe in a couple weeks I'll be able to go to the gym or something like that. Going back down memory lane with Action Jackson this week, we wanted to tackle a subject that not many people seem to, And that's Keith Richards as a solo artist. Yes, we know, everyone knows who Keith Richards is, and you can't write any kind of definitive book on the history of rock and roll without mentioning the Rolling Stones and then obviously Keith Richards' contribution to them, their sound, their songs, their aura, their legend. But in the late 80s and early 90s, Keith broke off to make his own solo records. It's kind of in reaction to Mick Jagger and how things had gone sour in the Stones in the 80s how Mick was having his own solo career, and who can blame it? Stars from previous bands like Sting and Don Henley, Phil Collins, were all able to go on and become huge stars without their bandmates as solo artists. So why not he take a chance? Well, Keith did the same thing. And obviously it was never going to get the same press or pub that a Stones album was, or maybe even that of a Mick Jagger album, just because the vocals sound different than what you're used to. But Keith had regularly done one or two songs on Stones albums for years. And in 1988, he stepped out to make Talk Is Cheap, which is a great record, very overlooked, did a tour, made a live record live from the Palladium, which really sucked me in, and then after got back with the Stones on Steel Wheels, which we talk about on episode number 16, he made Made a Fender, which was a good-sized hit. 
and Great For Me, and that's when Jackson and I were living together, and we listened to that one inside and out. So we wanted to explore Keith as a lead singer, Keith as a band leader, and some of these songs on these records that you may not know, not only his solo records, but some of the Deep Track Stones records where he sings. Now, as usual, we want you to download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast, be it Apple or Spotify or Amazon, wherever. We want to thank the folks at Feedspot for listing us among their top rock podcasts. There's some other great ones on there that you should check out. And we want you to follow us on Twitter at ugly underscore werewolf and at actionjack72. And of course, you can get all of our past episodes at www.uglyamericanwerewolf.libsyn.com. So for those of you who love Keith Richards, love his music, whether it's in the Stones or solo albums, or maybe you're a little unfamiliar, sit back and tune in. We're going to take you there on Wolf. Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. So you knew we had to do this at some point to talk about Keith Richards and the expensive winos because of just how much we played their records and got into them when we lived together in the early 90s. Yeah, and I really did not, I don't think, I mean, I knew the record when it came out. I heard they had the singles, blah, 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 the whole nine yards. I didn't really get into this until we were in college. And the once I did, forget it. Because the number one thing is my rule of I don't like the photo on the front of the cover, but that does not apply to Keith Richards. Right. Because on Talk is Cheap and Main Offender, he is just the coolest deal on the face of the earth. Talk is Cheap, you got the cigarette, you got the skull ring, mm-hmm. you got the the handcuff bracelet like that like it's just hey if somebody were somebody from outer space were to come down and say okay 
tell me what cool is. You just show them that picture. Okay, got it. Thank you. That's right. Ultimate yeah. rock and roll outlaw, the riff master, Keith Riffhard. Yeah, man. He, he, the coolest guy on the planet. Like, people who like to go to the VIP lounge, and then there's, you know, a roped-off part for the super VIPs, and there's a room in the back for the uber VIPs. You keep going back. Eventually, there's just one room. It's got Keith Richards smoking a cigarette, playing on his guitar. That if, if you don't see that, then you're not in the coolest VIP room in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Correct. Correct. He was in that, uh, he was in one of those Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yeah. And Johnny Depp was talking about how, like, he, I don't think he wasn't really in it that much, only in a couple of scenes. But the day that he showed up, he was like, I hadn't seen some of these people in years. And everybody was on set that day. They just wanted to be close to him and Keith just Richards. bask in the, uh, the aura of Keith Richards. Yeah. So Unbelievable. Cool. So let's set the table a little bit. Yeah. Talk is Cheap comes out. It's at 87, 88. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's 1987. Uh, no, yeah. released uh, no, October 88. Uh, is okay, so recorded in 87. Yeah, in yeah. 80. Okay, got it. Yep. And it's kind of in, and I didn't really get into it at the time. 87, I turned 14 and was starting high school. I was in my Hot Rock Stones phase or getting into the Hot Rock Stone phase. And so I wasn't necessarily aware of Keith doing a solo album. I had been aware that Mick had done She's the Boss back in, I think it was 83 or so, because he had the mm-hmm. Just Another night video with Jerry Hall and Ray Don Chong in it and, and I yeah. know he had made another one Primitive Cool and he did that State of Shock song with Michael Jackson because I guess hey Paul McCartney had done a song or two with Michael Jackson so hey I'm, I'm Mick Jagger I gotta do one too so apparently Keith wasn't a big fan of Mick doing solo records it's like you should keep your best stuff for the Stones also, he wasn't real happy with, you know, the fact that Mick was always trying to keep them on trend. Like, okay, well, here's what's happening in pop music now, so we need to move this way. Oh, and now this is happening, so we need to move this way. And Keith's like, let's just be an R&B band, you know? Let's let's just be a blues band. That's who we are. That's what we do. And I think he got sick of Mick, and they had a very famous fight, and it was in the video off Dirty Work for... Uh, one Hit to the Body. One yeah. Hit to the if Body. You, they, if, they literally almost kicked each other's ass. <laughs> yeah, if you watch that, they're like... I mean, I've seen, you know, I've seen Free Jack. Mick Jagger's not that great of an actor. Right. Yet they're very upset with each other in that. Like, I can't even be in the same room with this dude. And I wouldn't like Mick's odds on that, especially if Keith has got his guitar in his hand. Yeah. He can yeah. wield he, that he, thing he, like a battle axe, man. <laughs> he looks like one of those guys that would be like, you know, he looks like small uh-huh. and, ti- you know, the tiny guy, but he would be like freakishly strong. Like, like whoa, why is this guy going on here but yeah i think i think this record was a giant middle finger talk Mm -hmm. is cheap was a giant middle finger to mick jagger don't i think that at this time probably he thought that the stones were over Mm -hmm. so this was going to be what he was doing forever but yeah if you if you really go and listen to a couple of these tracks and maybe a lot of these tracks it's like I don't like Mick Jagger anymore (laughs) without really saying it. But yeah, I I think you're right. I think that I really get the feeling that about at this time, like the primitive cool and the she's the boss, Mick was thinking to himself, I think that I can do this on my own without these guys Mm -hmm. like Sting, like uh, Paul McCartney, who, I mean, the Beatles are a different deal, but you know, I can, I can be this, I can be this lone player, sing all the song stuff, sing all my new stuff. And I get to be the boss of everything. Yeah, and I think Keith, this is what he wanted to do. He wanted to make records like this. 
And I think even because we talked about this on an earlier episode, uh, when they did get back together for Steel Wheels, this material is better than the two songs that he did on Steel Wheels. That's fair. Yeah, I, I'd say that's fair. I mean, you'd say he, he kind of used up a lot of his best stuff making this record. And then yeah, this, this comes out in 88, late 88. Steel Wheels comes out in September of 89. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's not like he could say, all right, I got these 20 songs I've been saving since Dirty Work came out in 86 or whenever that was. He just used them uh, all on this. And he did it with Steve Jordan. Steve Jordan co-wrote all the songs. He's an amazing drummer. And we'll get into more about who he's played with. It's a who's who of rock and roll. Maybe more of a session guy or an in-the-studio guy, but he's certainly done big tours. He's the drummer in the John Mayer trio with Pino Palladino, who basically took over for John Entwistle and the Who. And and he co-wrote all the songs. Also co-wrote the uh, Almost Hear You Sigh song, which was on Steel Wheels. So that's pretty cool. Okay, that he got a co-write on a Stones album. That's pretty neat. But yeah, you you also have to consider the 80s weren't being good to the Stones. Tattoo You was good and it had Waiting on a Friend and Miss She Wanted. Emotional Rescue wasn't that great of an album. Undercover wasn't a very good album, although I think they did okay. Dirty Work, the cover is atrocious. Well, you know, now, the songs aren't now, that wait a minute though. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about this, I think that's your point right there. If you look at the Dirty Work album cover, they're all wearing 80s Miami Vice-ish pastel suits. That's probably goes back to your, we need, this is what's cool. We need to do what's cool. And then you've got Mick saying, why am I wearing the, I mean, Keith saying, why am I wearing this stupid looking deal trying to be, trying to be something we're not. Exactly. So yeah, so they make some records that aren't that good. Mick's also making solo records, maybe not saving his best stuff for the Stones. So so Keith's like, fine, you think you're a solo act? I can go out and be a solo act too. And he put together an incredible band, the expensive winos with Steve Jordan on the drums, Charlie Drayton on the bass, who was again, played with everybody, you know, all sorts of people over the years. Wadi Wachtel on the guitar, who again, he's been around forever. He's big friends with Stevie Nicks and has played on a ton of her records i'm pretty sure he did a tour with adam sandler once uh to be his guitar player i mean he's played with all sorts of folks over the years and then ivan neville on the keyboards not to mention bobby keys on sax who was a kindred spirit of keith's i'm like born in texas like hours away from when keith was born in england and they found each other of course bobby toured with the stones for years and years and he toured with keith on these records yeah He's no longer he with us. Those, yeah, he was one of those deals where it was like he was almost, almost a, I mean, he's probably an honorary stone at this point in time. I mean, he, he had done so much stuff that, yeah, I, I think this was one of those deals where he, where Keith just said, I want to do a, I want to do a record, but I want to do it with my friends. Mm-hmm. And everybody just came running. I'd like to know who he had to say no to on this one. Yeah, I know. And apparently he did put Mick Taylor on a, on a song here on Talk is Cheap, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Mick Taylor, of course, being the former Rolling Stones guitarist between Brian Jones and Ronnie Wood, who played that slide guitar like nobody else I think I've ever seen. Also, he was in the Blues Breakers, John Mayles. Blues Breakers after Eric Clapton and after Peter Green. So I'll look who you've got down here too. You've got Patty, uh, who is this? Patty Scaffola? Yeah, Bruce's wife. Yeah, Bruce's wife. That's a very, in 1987, 88, a very heavy hitter coming in. Yeah. And Bootsy Collins played a little bass on this. And Bootsy's another one of the coolest. He's not the coolest guy on this planet. He may be the coolest guy on Mars, man. (laughs) He's kind of a different cat, you know? Yeah, he's definitely in the VIP, VIP room with Keith, sitting around, just relaxing. That's right. And it it came out 
And really, when I became most familiar with it was eventually they did tour the winos and they did they released the live album keith and the winos live at the hollywood palladium from december 15 1988 they did make a video and it eventually was dvd it was vhs at the time and i bought the cassette now why didn't i buy the cd well the cd was like 17 dollars. the cassette was 10 and i had to weigh is this really going to be one of the all-time classics? Now, of course, I have, I think, the CD in two different versions at this point. <laughs> so the answer was yes. And the DVD. And I still have the tape somewhere. But it was, they had a video for Connection. Connection was an old song off Between the Buttons. And I guess Keith sang the first verse of it, or he sang it kind of with Mick. It sound, I can hear Mick on the song. It sounds like it's close to a duet to me, the original. But the video was cool because it was like they were all walking off stage and then Steve just starts hitting that drum beat, boom, pop, boom, boom, pop. And everybody kind of walks back up and, and Keith has that riff at the beginning. And I didn't know the song. I'd never heard the song before I saw this video. I'm like, oh, that's a killer song. What is that? Like, well, that's a Stone song that you probably ought to know. And so then we, we kind of got more into it from then. And then not long after that, when we lived together, the second album, Main Offender, came out. And we and they played it on the radio and we listened to it over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. And again, you know, Main Offender, extremely cool album cover. And then just whatever Keith is going to put out, yes, we will listen to, especially at this point in time. Again, I, I, like pretty much everybody's back for the second record. So again, he just makes that one phone call. And everybody comes running. Ooh, we can't wait. That's right. Okay, we did a little tour at the end of 88. Now I got to go because I got to go back to the Stones. And But, mm-hmm. you know, Steve Jordan had played a little bit on Dirty Work. He was a kind of around, I think, some of the sessions for Steel Wheels. So I was like, sorry, guys, I got to go. And then they did a huge tour. It's like, okay, I'm back. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll all come back. And then they did do a little tour for Main Offender. You said, I think, either in the last, in the Rolling Stones episode we did a, a month ago on Steel Wheels or just in conversation we've had subsequently that you think the uh the first album talk is cheap is the better of the two and it's a little harder yeah and it's a little nastier and i think there's a lot i think he had a lot more to prove with talk is cheap Mm -hmm. that he could do things on his own he didn't need mick and i think he was he was not in a great place with, with their relationship and yeah i i just think that this is more of a middle finger to Mick Jagger and the other thing that I really like about this record too is even if you didn't know who Keith Richard was I can't imagine a situation where you wouldn't right. but if you didn't and you put this record on you, this is a good standalone straight ahead blues rock record there's probably one two three four five or six singles you could have put out on mm-hmm. this it's it's fantastic it's it's not it's not super complicated but it's it's really good and you can tell from some of the titles you don't move me it's talking uh-huh. about mick you know yeah i could have stood you up it's a struggle you know yeah. that kind of Between thing love and hate yeah yes. you know I, I get it you know i i understand you know and that's uh-huh. that's flipping them off you know but it also has some some kind of cool rocking songs how i wish i love that song you know and yeah. i guess he always did that as the second song on both tours and I, I just think it's a great key song and then you slow it down with locked away which is that's you know, really good that that doesn't go along with any of the rest of it but you're like wow that's 
really good. It's a fantastic song, you know, and it, it could have been a, it maybe could have been a Stones, you know, second album side song, maybe. I don't know. Sure. But, you know, Whip It Up, Rock A While, all these, and, and Take It So Hard was the single. And I kind of remember when that came out, they made a video. Yeah. And I was like, oh, cool, Keith Richards doing something solo. But I, I need to focus on understanding the Stones better when I'm, you know, 14 years old or whatever. So I, was, I, I didn't get that into it. But, you know, I, you, you miss some opportunities, I guess, when you're younger. Correct. And I think, because I've, I've watched this about a million times, Struggle from Saturday Night Live. When oh. he plays it, that is fantastic. And the other thing that I really think is cool is that, so they did two songs. They did Struggle and they did, I believe, Take It So Hard, I think, because that was, that was the single. single. Yeah. And if you watch both of those performances, Steve Jordan plays drums on one and then he moves over to play bass on the other song. So it's like, and I remember watching that when I, when it was on, cause I used to watch Saturday Night Live all the time. And I thought, oh, now wait a minute. How cool are these two dudes that they can switch instruments? Like I can't play one instrument and they can be like, Hey, you want to play bass on this one? Oh yeah, cool. You want to play? Oh, okay. Sure. No problem. Yeah. That was I, take it so hard, man. It's like Steve drawers is a drummer and a fantastic drummer, but on take it so hard. He plays the bass. Um, yeah. And then Drayton goes back behind the drums. The thing is, to the casual observer, they both kind of had some long dreads that may have been tied up. So if you weren't paying attention, you might not have noticed. Uh, but that you're absolutely right. They switch on those tracks. Yeah. And, and then, like I said, I, I was always, and then this was back when I, they blew my mind because I always thought of people like, you just, you were just one thing, mm -hmm. right? Like, that's what you did. I played the drums. I played the bass. Now, these, there's a lot of guys who are real musicians who can do different things and do them well. Yeah. And if you don't think Steve Jordan is a fantastic, fantastic drummer a musician in his own right first of all he's won grammys as a producer and as a songwriter he played basically on all the blues brothers records uh, and toured with them but let me just give you an idea of some of the people he's recorded with over the year not a completely inclusive list booker t and the mgs cat stevens bb king bruce springsteen all of keith richard's stuff josh groban george benson neil young leanne rhymes don henley roberta flack bonnie tyler Ziggy Marley, Kelly Clarkson, Steve Cropper, little Stephen Van Zant, Alicia Keys, Bruno Mars, Aretha Franklin, Rod Stewart, all the John Mayer Trio albums, Vince Gill, Cindy Lauper, Billy Joel, Sheryl Crow, Solomon Burke, Stevie Nicks, John Mellencamp, Bob Dylan, Donald Fagan, Eric Clapton. I mean, you, you don't play on all those records unless you are the creme de la creme. All those people can get anybody they want. And they all want Steve Jordan at one time or another. So that's that's pretty big time. Correct. And so that goes back to, you know, all, all Keith has to do is pick the phone up and say, hey, you know what I'm thinking about? you know, eh, making a record and you hear the tires squealing and mm -hmm. he's Steve is that aye, aye, captain. What are we doing here? This sounds great. I can't wait. Please let me include me on this. That's right. They made a movie. Of course, these, these were the two records. Talk is cheap and main offender were the only two records for the longest time basically, for Keith Richards of original material. Eventually, and I think it was 2015, he made Cross-Eyed Heart, like the long-awaited follow-up. And there's a movie, Keith Richards Under the Influence, that is... <laughs> It's available on Netflix, and uh, and it kind of documents where he is in his life there, and also getting people together for Cross-Eyed Heart. He's basically just like, hey, Steve, I think I want to do a reggae thing. He gets a bunch, Steve's got the Rolodex, he gets a bunch of reggae guys in here. Hey, you know what, I need some horns. Steve will get the horns in here, you know. We're gonna, let's try this today. Steve's got the people together, and how many, how long does the conversation have to go? Hey, yeah, this is Steve. 
Uh, Keith's looking to record something. Who's going to say, well, no, I got this other thing, man. You know, it's like, get me to the studio. <laughs> Hold on, let me make one more call. I can't do this. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm working with Keith. See ya. Excuse me, Mr. President. No, Tuesday's no good. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And of course, Jane Rose, his longtime manager, who's just like a fiery, connected, takes no nonsense New York Jewish woman, has managed his career for decades. You see her in there, like, making sure everything's getting together, make sure, you know, uh, everything's going smoothly. And, you know, she's taken care of him for a really long time and convinced him to put out the uh, the live the Palladium. You know, so people had a, a souvenir of it, because I don't know if that thing sold more than 150,000 copies, even if I have two or three of them. You know, <laughs> I think she was the one convinced him, let's put this out, and I'm, I'm is, sure glad she did. Which is good, because they did not... In the history of the world, the, this band did not tour all that much. They did the one tour. It was more. It was a club tour. It wasn't mm-hmm. a stadium tour at all. And yeah, that was it. So yes, that is great that they have this out because the, just the the vibe and everything is great. And you know, Keith mentioned something like, "Oh, you know, back at the Palladium, which had been thrown out of many times, or something <laughs> like that." It's just yeah, it's just cool. To see. It's cool to see him as a front man and just you know, kind of work the crowd too, because that's always mixed job. Right. At, on the Stone show. So it's, you know, he understands what he has to do. The songs are all great Keith songs. Like if you could take, like if somebody told you, hey, you know all those songs that you love, of, you know, like Happy, mm-hmm. and, you know, Before I Run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if they, what if you made an album of only those songs? Wait, what? Yes, please. I know. And what I have the original version of this of talk is cheap but if you go and get the 2019 reissue it's got one two three six more tracks on them and they're all good they're all good uh there's a there are yeah there's a blues jam at the beginning my baby from willie dixon big town playboy by little johnny jones these are you know the old school covers that he does obviously you know grew up doing this there are so then you have six more songs which are great off this record Absolutely. And of course, I, I picked that up as soon as I could. And that's a 30th anniversary thing. And then they basically did a little bit of a re-release this past year, kind of a 30th anniversary for the Palladium show where they released yeah. a few more songs because they didn't release the whole concert. He did about 18 songs. And yeah, about a third or 40% were Old Stone songs like he did Happy and Connection and Too Rude. You know, starting in the late 60s, Keith usually got one song, an album or so. And in the 80s, it started to become more like two songs, an album. And uh, and then eventually he did Talk is Cheap. So, you know, you get Happy and Connection, Too Rude on there. They don't have Before They Make Me Run and Little T&A on the original release even though that's something that, you know, those are songs that he did regularly. And we've seen him do those songs in the Stones in the last 25 years. Yes. But it was cool to do, they did Time Is On My Side, and Sarah Dash was in his band, and she had an amazing voice, man. Mm. And and they, they really kind of did it, slowed it down a lot, and got kind of a little bit more down and dirty with it. You know, it was cool. And then on the second tour, because they did do a very brief second tour on Main Offender. And you can get, there's a, I think maybe they broadcast it live in Japan or something like that. So they took it from like the Beacon Theater or something like that and, and broadcast it live. So you can get the DVD. And it's not the highest quality thing in the whole world. And it's not something with like lots of interviews and extras and stuff like that. It's basically just the broadcast. But they play Gimme Shelter, which I didn't think they would do but that gives Sarah a real chance to shine obviously and then they also do Time Is On My Side so she can really kill it during those two songs and Keith doesn't have to you know his voice already sounds like
sounds like it's a little scar and scratchy, right? So let's give him a break <laughs> somewhere in the show. And, and actually, his his voice does work pretty well because I've I've heard him do um, "Give Me Shelter" a couple other times in, mm-hmm. over the years. It, he it, that actually lends itself well to his voice because the, the, the the track is kind of gravelly anyway, and so he just adds a uh, he ramps it up a little bit. And yeah, time is on my side again. That wasn't his song to begin with, mm-hmm. but he does a good job with it. I mean, played it a million times, so not a huge deal. That's right. I also like watching those. You were talking real quick about like reggae stuff. There's a couple of videos of him at his home in Jamaica mm-hmm. with random dudes just hanging out playing music. And I think this was probably at least the the Talk Is Cheap album was probably came out of that. Like, I'm not really doing anything right now. I've got all these guys that I like to play with. I've got some song ideas. Let's do this thing. And so it really feels like it's more of a instead of a guy doing a solo record, it sounds like a band of people together that have done. It's not like okay, hey, good to meet you. Let's play these songs. Like, oh, hey, I know all of these people. Mm-hmm. It's more like a it. it more of a, an organic deal instead of just throwing people together. It was. And to me, it's hard for me to understand why it wasn't bigger. You know, why weren't they doing like a stadium tour? Why wasn't it a bigger? I mean, tastes are different for people. And, you know, the Steel Wheels sold well for a Stones album in the 80s, but, you know, it didn't go like 10 times platinum or anything. It's like, why didn't the Keith solo stuff, why wouldn't that be bigger? And I guess, you know, hey, there's there's less money behind it. There's less brand behind it, obviously. You don't have Mick out there selling it. But I, I just, I thought it was fantastic. And I'm like, why isn't this a bigger deal to everyone like it is to us? Because people are idiots. That's what it is. Yes, but there's... <laughs> You can you explain everything that way, though, is the problem. Well, yeah, and I, and I do, trust me. Uh, but, but you know, that, that brings up an interesting point because I really wonder if you took everybody at a Rolling Stones show, like mm-hmm. all 80,000 people or whatever the big stadium shows were and said, okay, let me just, I just want to talk to you real quick. What are your favorite Stones songs? And they would just probably name the hits. Yeah. And I think maybe that was the problem is that like, okay, I got to get into new stuff. Like, ah, right. I'm a Rolling Stones fan. Yeah. If you were a Rolling Stones fan, you would love this. You know, and yeah, I understand that you might know Happy, but most people didn't know Want to Hold You. Most people don't know Little TNA or Before They Make Me Run or, you know, Memory Motel. You know, some of the stuff that, that Keith did on the Stones albums, which are good, but those are never the singles. What? They don't make the Keith songs the singles. So no. they're album cuts. So you have to go and find them. And I always thought it would be a killer, killer CD package to get the best of Keith with the Stones. Uh, and of yes. course, from Steel Wheels on, you got Steel Wheels, you've got The Love is Strong, a Voodoo Lounge, you got Bridges to Babylon, and you've got Bigger Bang. Plus, on the 40 Licks Greatest Hits album, you know, they give Keith a, a tune on there. Losing My Touch, and it's it's a cool song. It's kind of about, you know, a guy who's maybe getting a little bit older. He maybe doesn't do it quite like he used to. Kind of a sweet, sad song. Like, that's really good, you know. And some songs, like Through and Through, which was on Voodoo Lounge, they played it on The Sopranos once, and mm-hmm. people were like, oh man, what's that song? I'm like, that's Keith Richards singing in the Stones. No, you don't know it because it's not Mick, it wasn't a single, and it's on one of the latter-day records. But it's an awesome song, dude. <laughs> well, and then you have, you know, one of the one of the best, like if you could write a Keith song for Keith, the one of the best that I've ever heard is from Voodoo Lounge, and that's The Worst. The worst. And it's just, yep. <laughs> but you're right. If they were to have put a Best of Keith Richards tra- uh, CD together, 
we'd have bought that in six seconds because yeah, they're all they're all pretty good. They're no, they were never the singles, but they're all pretty good because it's cool. It's the cool change of pace Keith Richards songs. Right, and I basically made you a best of Keith Richards that included as many of the Stone songs as I could, plus maybe a little bit from the New Barbarians, which is what he and Ronnie kind of toured with in the late seventies when <laughs> the Stones were on hiatus. I think Bobby Keys played with them on those tours as well, <laughs> and I have those live CDs. And they had a book about them that not only was a cool book, but in the back of the book, you got a live CD from the Barbarians, too. So I, I would encourage you to check that out for sure. But Kiss made a cool album called Icons, where basically all four members got a disc, got a CD of them singing their songs. And so, you know, you know, Gene and Paul are getting the big hits, but then it's basically every song Peter sang on a Kiss record is on there, plus mm-hmm. some highlights from his solo record, if there is such a thing. And and same with Ace. You know, every song he sang lead on on Kiss, plus highlights from the Ace Frehley record. And I'm like, that's that's an awesome concept, and I listen to them all the time because I think they're cool. So I'm like, they really ought to do that for Keith. He ought to do a record with all of his Stone songs. And then the second one could be a best of him and the winos. Now, they kind of made one of those, Vintage Winos, which was the best songs from Talk is Cheap, Main Offender, threw in some of the highlights from Live at the Palladium. And then at the end, there was a song that maybe he did as a fundraiser for Hurricane Katrina or something. It's like a minute and a half little slow, just him and an acoustic guitar that has some nice acoustic work on it. So it, it would be, it was, I didn't buy the album because that was the only new thing on it. It's like, I have the other three discs. So the only new thing on it is this minute and a half hurricane, which you can hear on YouTube. It's not even really a song so much as it's him kind of telling a one minute story. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, so to give it kind of the proper place it deserves, and then there could be a deluxe edition with maybe the 1993 concerts, because they've never released a live album from the main offender tour. They, they've had that one DVD that isn't of fantastic quality. Maybe, but maybe they will, right? Because they did the 30th anniversary of Talk is Cheap and gave us new songs. They did a big reboot of the Hollywood Palladium, though they kind of had a super expensive one and then kind of a regular one. They needed a middle, a medium ground one, if you ask me. Um, and they still didn't include stuff like Before They Make Me Run. Well, I mean, this came out in 92, so... So we're coming up. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, so maybe. Maybe. Yes, that would be cool, because I I think that the the, the main offender kind of got kind of got swept under the rug a little bit because the stones were back this was now right. more like a kind of like a fun thing to do on the side yeah they didn't have the big live dvd like at the palladium mm-hmm. so yeah that would be cool because it's it's this, this is a, it's a great album it's just different and like i said i think it kind of was like oh well you're just doing this for fun now instead of like this was what i was going to do for the rest of my life well but plus you know mick did after the big tour, he went out and did, it was Wandering Spirit, I believe, uh, yes. which was actually a pretty good album for him. And he gets to work with top-notch guys, too, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's maybe not as much nastiness on this, but he also shares writing credits with a lot more people on the album. It's really just him and Steve Jordan on the first one. But Waddy gets a few co-writes on here. Sarah Dash got a co-write on Body Talks. You know, Charlie Drayton was a co-writer on Wicked As It Seems, which was the big single. And apparently Mick liked that. And that's why Love is Strong is not all that different 
from Wicked, as it seems. And and Love is Strong was the big single from Voodoo Lounge, so you're welcome. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But yeah, nine ninety nine. They they played a lot. Wicked as it seems. Eileen from uh, Main Offender. Good upbeat song. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love it. Words of Wonder is okay. I like Yap Yap, though, because it's kind of mellow. You know, it kind of brings it down. I'm like, Yap Yap, yeah. you talk yeah. too much. Will, but you won't. Um, got a song called Demon. You got to love a Keith song called Demon, man. That's cool. Yeah. But, but then, hate it when you leave, man. That's a good song. Yeah, that's that's one of those. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's interesting because, okay, so that's Richard Jordan and Waddy wrote that one. It's weird because you think of Keith as like this, I don't care, you know, whatever. I'm just grizzly and whatever. But that's not, I mean, that's a real, that's a very tender song for him. And it's it's not, I mean, it's fantastic and it fits in, but it's like, well, I would have never, never thought you'd write a song like that. Okay. And and apparently that's part of Stone's lore is that Keith, a lot of things start as slow songs for Keith, whether he's at the piano or the guitar, making it kind of a ballad or a blues thing. And of course, Mix like, you know, all right, we, we got to pick this up for a rock and roll band. Like we got to make it faster, Keith, you know, kind of thing. But not that one, man. I, I love that song. That, that's an amazing Keith Richards song. And you know, it probably should have been a hit, but you know, hey, uh, they're not yeah. going to put they're not going to put a ton into a Keith Richards solo album when they know that they're going to get more Stones coming, you know, in a year Correct. or whatever, yeah. you know. So you get you have your two requisite singles off of there, and then that's just it. But an interesting an interesting thing about Keith is that you know you talk about this guy who's a you know the rock and roll you know on the on the Mount Rushmore of rock and roll elite people. Mm-hmm. He's been ma- married to Patty Hanson since nineteen eighty. Three. I know. So not a dude. I mean, just a just a real kind of solid dude. Also, like I'm sure he, you know, I'm sure he ran around in his younger days, you know, whatever. But I mean, he found her and is a you know has a very loving relationship with her, mm-hmm. which kind of from this from the Keith Richards Laurie thing. Now this guy, he hasn't been married. No, he really loves her. This is a this is a guy who let himself be with another person and have and have a be a dad. And, yeah. Yeah. So. A lot more layers to the old onion than you might think. Yeah, versus Mick Jagger, who's, you know, Mm -hmm. probably hooking up with a different girl on his honeymoon, you know? I mean... (laughs) that's just the way he is you know and there were rumors for years that when he married Jerry because they did it on some island or a strange faraway country that maybe somehow that meant they weren't technically married which meant that he wouldn't have to pay her as much when, they, when he finally <laughs> ditched her or whatever not that it should be a problem for Jerry because she's with Rupert Murdoch now who is actually richer than, than Mick Jagger that, that um, worked out right for her but Mick you know Mick has like eight or nine kids um, and is a great grandfather because Jay Jade's a grandmother now. Jade's about our age. And Jade's a grandmother. So, yeah. But no, he's got the... He was with Anita... Who, yeah, he kind of stole from Brian, but but Brian was a jerk and he was wasted anyway. So he stole Anita Pallenberg. They had two kids together, Marlon and Angela, and they stayed together. I don't know about fidelity or all that, but they they stayed together for a long time until Keith's, I think, his heroin problem really got to be a big problem in the late 70s. And then he found Patty. And yeah, he and Patty have been together forever. They live in Connecticut and Alexandra and Theodora kind of take after their mother, thank goodness. But, uh, but they're grown up now. Now, I will tell you that I knew a gentleman who did some work for Keith Richards at his home, mm-hmm. uh, some custom copper work, and he said that he was there one day, and he was he's going to play it cool. He was going to play it real cool. He sat on the back of his trunk. He had his icebox out. He was having lunch, mm-hmm. and he just wore a Rolling Stones t-shirt, did the same thing, mm-hmm. then... 
two days later, he's doing the same thing. Keith walks by and says, uh, hey, man, you got another beer in there? <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yeah. He sat there and had beers. But but the point of the story is that when he was done, he got tickets to the Stones, and I think he ended up getting a uh, signed guitar. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. And he was like, it was all Patty. I know she did all of this for me because she is just the nicest person on the face of the earth mm-hmm. and would always, even when, even when Keith wouldn't talk to him at the beginning, yep. she was always just this just delightful person and also extremely attractive. Yeah, so just the whole package. So yeah, just, just very cool. Very cool to see a relationship like that in rock and roll, which, you know, they, if you're going to play the odds, that's probably not going to happen. Well, that's for sure, yeah. But, you know, Keith did ditch heroin in 78 or whenever that was. He, he didn't kick it completely. Didn't stop doing cocaine, necessarily. Well, baby steps. You know, yeah, didn't stop smoking hash and ganj. And, yes, he lives in Jamaica kind of for a reason, you know. Um, <laughs> Uh, I mean, like, yeah, I think he, there, there was a report that like he and Ronnie were on a beach and they, they were climbing trees and they fell and somebody conked their head real bad. It's like, oh, that was almost a really serious injury. Maybe we need to stop doing cocaine now that we're in our 60s. I'm like, what? Like, don't you know that's how John Entwistle died? Don't you know that's how you get over 40? You got to stop that. You want to drink and smoke? Fine. But those hard drugs, I mean, it, it can go like that. Like, you can be healthy and just a little cocaine and a little beer and a little, you're done. So you got to stop that. Now, Keith's always said he comes from really tough stock. <laughs> and he must be right, you know, because he's on the north side of 75, if I'm not mistaken, and is still still going, still rocking. And if he quit smoking now, it would be more detrimental to his health than, than you know, if he just kind of kept doing it. Like, if you take it away yeah. from him now, it'll kill him. <laughs> I remember we calculated in college, like how many, uh, roughly how many cigarettes he would have smoked by 1993. If it's, you know, oh, if it's four or five packs a day for, you know, 30 years, what's that add up to? Well, gosh, it's, it's got to be double than that now, right? It's another 30 years. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> We're talking millions of cigarettes here, folks. It's, it's disgusting, but uh, don't take them away from him now because it'll kill him. But I was sad that we never got a chance to see him because we were kind of unaware during Talk is Cheap. Wasn't a huge tour anyway. The main offender tour wasn't real big or long, and it didn't come anywhere near us in Florida. I don't feel like I was checking out the dates. and Didn't really yeah, come kinda, anywhere near. Yeah, I feel like if it was even close we'd have gone, I mean, we would have invested a, a decent amount of driving time to see that had it been anywhere near us. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, Atlanta's not that far. We, we you know, we, we could have gone if, we, if we'd known about it. Of course, there's no internet back then. It's right. hard to know all the tour dates. I mean, it's easy to know when it's coming to town, your town, because the radio will tell you, hey, rush tickets go on sale, you know, this Saturday morning or whatever. But you didn't necessarily get all the dates unless maybe you saw something in Rolling Stone or something like that. So it was hard to know back then. But we always figured, okay, one day, because, you know, the Stones take breaks. They're not together every single year. They don't tour every single year. So, like, eventually we'll see the winos. They'll get back together and we'll see them. And it's never happened, Jackson. And I, at this point, I seriously doubt it will. Because if you're going to go out and tour, you might as well go out and tour as the Stones, right? I think that's the big thing is if he's going to, if he's going to do this, it would, it, it, especially since he can still do it with the Stones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Play a club tour. Even if it's a theater yeah. tour. Yeah. When you're playing 2500 a night or whatever yeah. like that. Does he want to do that? I, Maybe he would. Does it make sense? 
I don't know. I know that it, I would quit everything and follow him around for a few weeks, you know, if we got the I, chance. Yeah, I kind of feel like if that were to happen, it would be, okay, go through it. New York City, Chicago, Los Angeles, maybe Miami, and that would be about it. He's not coming to a town near you. He's, he's yeah, he, he maybe played the, you know, the Hammersmith in London. I mean, these, right. these, you're not coming to Akron, Ohio, and Jacksonville, Florida. That's just not happening. No, but I mean, like, well, he might do, but yeah, he, he would probably do some residence at like the Beacon Theater, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe something like that. The Will Turn in L.A. or, or you know. The thing is, though, he wouldn't need to do it for money. It's not like this tour right. has to make money or else. They could lose money. It doesn't matter. You know, he's, he can get his own plane and get a second plane for everybody else if he wants. It, yeah, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but I feel like he could do bigger. I mean, the only way he would do it is for some reason the Stones couldn't tour. And that would probably have to be something like Mick Jagger's dead or has fallen ill or something's happened to his vocal cords or, or something like that. I can't. Yeah. imagine them stopping the stones even if you know at this point i would think if something happened to charlie they would stop but maybe not i i can see mick saying you know what we love charlie and we'll dedicate this next tour where we're going to make a hundred million dollars to charlie and they can get steve jordan in to do it right correct i i would hate that because I, I would mean, the, the Rolling Stones are, you know, is Charlie Watts, but I could also bet that would happen because, you, like you said, you could get somebody who would play exactly like you would you'd turn around. You'd never know it wasn't Charlie Watts, but the fact that he was not there make me sad. Yeah, I, I, and you know the thing is, I stopped consciously 15 years ago going to Stones concerts, not because I didn't like them anymore. But just because it's like, look, I've done it. I've seen them six times in six different venues. I, I've seen some of my favorite songs. I got to see them in the theater show on that one tour where they did three different size venues, which is amazing. Uh -huh. And so I'm like, you know what? I've seen it. I've done it. The tickets are wicked expensive. You know, if they come to my town, then maybe. And the last show was at Churchill Downs in Louisville that I saw. But they can kind of continue to, to tour over the years. I'm like, no, I'm not chasing the Stones. I've done it. I've seen it. It's a lot of money. I'd rather take the money from two Stones tickets and, and see like four or five other shows, you know, this year. But Yeah, and the, the other thing too is, I mean, they haven't... The, the records that they've come out with pretty much after Voodoo Lounge, and you could maybe even argue that if you were a super hardcore fan, you know, they're not, you're not really going for the new stuff. If they put out an album that was just fantastic start to finish and they were going to play four or five new songs, ooh, maybe, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just going to be the same stuff you've already seen. That's right. You know, so I would absolutely go see Keith and the Winos. I thought with Cross-Eyed Heart, there might be a chance, but it just, it just didn't happen that way. Now, I might be open to see the Stones again, if I could take my daughter, because it would be a gift to give her. She's about to be seven years old. I've taken her to see The Who. I've taken her to see Kiss. I'm debating on whether to take her to see Genesis, because she likes Genesis more than the She-Wolf does. So, But those tickets were wicked expensive. And if, if, if it's nine. 30, it's like, Daddy, I'm tired. I want to go. I'm like, just lay down, you know, just lay, yeah. lay in your seat because these cost so much money and I've waited so long to see Genesis. If you want to sleep, fine. I'm staying here and I'll carry you home from the O2 if I have to. I'm not totally against it. But, you know, the other thing is, as I've gotten older, I generally want to have good seats. I don't have to be front row. And sometimes being on the side but down low is better than being maybe on the floor because you could be behind somebody tall or you could be behind idiots who are standing up and sitting down all the time, you know? Well, 
especially if you've got a show that's got stuff going on on the stage. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that you can see the whole thing, not just, yeah, again, there's somebody's in front of me or I've got a weird angle that I can't see too well. Yeah, that's you want to be able to see the entire stage. But you also don't want to be like, uh, who's e? Who's that? <laughs> all, you, all you end up doing is watching the Jumbotron. Then who cares? Right. Why don't you just buy the DVD and sit at home? Man. You Correct. Know, the bathroom's cleaner. The line's a lot shorter. You know, the beers are the cheaper. Beer is- <laughs> Way cheaper at your house, you yes. Know, it's way colder, you know. I mean, I'm hopeful that there's stuff in the vaults for Keith. And obviously we got six songs out of Talk is Cheap. Maybe there's some more when in next year, hopefully, they do the 30th anniversary of Main Offender. Maybe they clean something up and make a, a live album from that tour. And who knows? Maybe there's some other stuff in there as well. I don't know. I, I got a feeling once bands can tour again, the Stones are going to do their thing. Because they kind of well, had to cancel, they- right? Yeah, and the, and the thing is, they were in the middle of a tour also. So, I, I mean, who knows if they'll say, I mean, they've got to make up the shows they did do if they've had this much time off maybe they'll say let's just add some on to the end of this and keep rolling because we're, we're rested now yeah yeah and they don't have to do back-to-backs anymore they do shows like three four days apart they grow so much because they finally figured out they can charge a lot more the technology's there you want to be in the front row okay that's five thousand dollars the scalpers don't get that money anymore it can go straight to the stones right you want <clears throat> vip there's different levels of that we can charge up for Yes, we've got cheaper seats in the nosebleeds. If that's what you can afford, if that's what you're comfortable with, fine. But you want to sit on the floor? Yeah, you're going to pay up, and it all flows to the band. So, yeah, they can do one show and gross $10 million or something like that. So they don't have to do a 56-date tour. They can just do 14 and do two gigs in New York, two in Chicago, one in L.A., San Francisco, one in Denver, one in Dallas, one in Nashville, you know, whatever, and gross nine figures. So that's what they'll do. Maybe when Keith's 80 or something like that and the Stones are on hiatus or Charlie said, no, that's it. I'm not doing it anymore. You guys can't make me do it. I'm going home and see ya. Maybe we'll get an expensive winos. But, you know, Bobby Keys isn't with us anymore. Waddy has never looked super healthy to me. I don't know. (laughs) You know, so I, I worry about all these guys as they get up in age, not to mention Keith. But I'm hopeful there will be more from Keith Richards one day. Yeah, that because I think he's a guy that he never stops, the wheels never stop turning in his head as far as writing new music. He's always thinking, he, he seems like a dude that would just sit there and play the guitar every day just because that's what he enjoys doing. Mm-hmm. Just strumming along. And yeah, playing, oh man, I remember I, I heard this song when I was a kid, you know, Little Willie Dixon or mm-hmm. whatever. You know, he's just playing the blues. That's what he wants to do. That's what he's wired for. And so yeah, I, I could not, if, if you were to put out more new music, it wouldn't surprise me because that's always always what he's doing so yeah that would be fantastic i don't know if it will ever happen but i mean we've said that before and stranger things have come true so never say never let's just get jane rose to light a fire under him you know and get him to do it you know you'd think that during lockdown that might be an opportunity to do it you know lay some stuff down it has been for a lot of acts and they did the Stones did do the Living in a Ghost Town single, which came right. out, you know. So, again, yeah, I figure, because Mick could be up to a lot of things. He could be working on a movie deal. He could be working on a TV show. He could be working on three different models at the same time. He could be working <laughs> on a solo record. He could be working on a Stones thing. He handles a lot of the business for the Stones, you know. But but for Keith, it's kind of always about the music. It's always about rock and roll. You're right. He's always got something going on there. So maybe we'll unearth some stuff. Maybe he'll just kind of continue to put stuff out. I don't know. I mean, like, The Who put out a great album that they were going to tour on. 
It's just called The Who. Best one they've done in 40 years, in my estimation. Not that there's much to put it up against, but it, it was really solid. And somehow that lost money. Pete Town's like, yeah, I've got new songs and we might put out a new record. But the last one lost money. Of course, they, they did it at Mark Knopfler's studio, which is expensive and CDs don't sell like they used to. And they put out a second deluxe edition that had like live stuff from a couple years ago because they couldn't do any of the stuff live because the tour got canceled. So they put like older live stuff on. I'm like, well, that's not that cool. But I understand why they did it. If they lost money on it, like, all right, let's try something else. You know, let's do what we can to recoup this. I, yeah, I don't know. It, that, then that really is, that's a whole other conversation. The sad state of, of record sales. And it, it really stinks for a band any of these bands from this era because the you know oh i've got this great new piece of music yeah but your old stuff is what's really going to sell so we don't really care about this we'd rather have you just rework some of the old stuff repackage it you know maybe record it again in a different deal but we don't really care about your new stuff so yeah that's eh. and, and who knows these guys might like you said love that who record but it just didn't get any traction because it's not it's not going to be on the radio it's not going to sell a ton of stuff and again the management company is going to say, well, it won't get fooled again. How about that? I've already done that a million times. Stop it. It's sad to me that a band like The Who, now maybe they spent too much money making the record. That's possible. Getting the best studio and having engineers and other, you know, you got to pay Zach Starkey to come in and and play. He's not doing it for his health. You got to pay him, you know, you got to pay Pino Palladino or, you know, whoever's playing bass on the record. You got to pay all these people. So it's not easy to recoup anymore. So I get it. but, But Keith can do it with Steve and those guys probably relatively inexpensively and if Keith Richards lose a million bucks it's like me losing a dime I mean it's not that big a deal Well, and the, and the cool part too is the kind of music that he plays. It's not su- it's not super overdubbed. It's not. Su- I mean, you could basically record it live with everybody together. And it's weird that you say that about Mark Knopfler's studio. I'm like, eh, I mean, this day and age, you can record some pretty cool stuff in your own home. So I don't know why you would you would have this big cash outlay to do this. So I don't know. Because I've seen I've seen people do stuff independently, like the like the Sammy Hagar band Circle. They've done some pretty cool stuff. Out of the, they just record a track on their own in their own home. I think Sammy was in the shower at his <laughs> house because he, he just liked the way it acoustically sounded. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's pretty cool. It's come a long way. Just always be hopeful for it. And yeah, I, they should let me make the Stones best of Keith Richards. Just, you know, let me put it together. I can work with somebody to remix it or to, you know, to get the tracks up to date from all the different, you know, Jimmy Miller times and uh, Don Was and whoever they worked with over the years as producers. Put out the best of Keith Keith Stone's album, I think it'd be a great collector's album. I mean, I've kind of already made it, you know, from ripping and burning and stuff like that, but it'd be cool to get an official release for that. I think that'd be neat. That would be cool. And who knows, if you go down that rabbit hole, there might be stuff we've never even heard before from set from old sessions from these records that you could also include. Yeah, I think that would be good because a lot if you really like the Rolling Stones and you listen to those Keith tracks, you'd say to yourself, like we did a million times, why weren't these singles? I know. What? This, these are great songs. So yeah, that would be a great a great sign me up. I will buy copy number one of that. Well, and the in the during the heady days of Napster, where you could download all sorts of bootleg <laughs> stuff and stuff that never really made it on the market. Like there's a song "Moon Is Up" from the Voodoo Lounge. 
which of course Mick sings, but there's a demo of Keith doing the vocal over what is basically the rest of the finished music. And it's pretty damn good. I kind of prefer it to the Mick version. So, you know, if something like that were to finally, you know, see the light of day, that would and be then, pretty cool. And then if you want to go, if you want to go there, there's a great track. You can find it on YouTube. It's called Crushed Pearl. Mm-hmm. And it's from, I think it's from the Dirty Work Sessions. Uh-huh. That's a great deal. I mean, it's basically just, they just rip off Neil Young, okay. Robert Gold, right. for the the backing track, but it's great. It's just a real. It's 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 a cool track that would be awesome to include on it. And like I said, I'm sure there's stuff out there that's like, oh, come yeah, demos and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. This could be this is gonna be a two disc or at least. Oh yeah, at least now there'll be a two disc. Bottom line, I'm and I have visions for a four disc set, obviously. D- deluxe think, version. Yeah, gotta have a deluxe version. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. And you might need two CDs just to get all of them on there. And then, of course, if you throw in some live stuff, then it's easily going to get there. Then you throw in the best of the wino stuff. All right, now you got a third disc. So, I mean, we're we're getting places, man. So, Mm -hmm. Keith, I know you're not listening. And I know no one you know personally is listening. But Jane Rose whoever I need to talk to, I would love to do this. I will. It will be a very reasonable fee that I charge. Just just put it out there, guys. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, folks. Look, a lot of things have been said about Keith Richards over the years as the amazing songwriter and guitar player and ruffian, rock and roll scoundrel that he is. But we wanted to talk about his solo time. Not a big part of his career, obviously. Only made the three records of two kind of together there in the late 80s and early 90s where he actually did tour, make a good live album and a couple of DVDs that you can pick up. We just think they're underrated. We think they're great. You're always going to find information on Stone's records but we think Keith as a lead singer is just underrated and very overlooked some great songs in the Stones catalog are Keith sung songs maybe not the big hits but great songs in their own right and the two albums Talk is Cheap and Main Offender were really important to me in action at a critical point in our lives when we lived together and we thought we'd share our love for that music here on the show we want to thank everybody from around the world for tuning in we see you guys over in India there tuning in we really appreciate it let us know what you want to here. Let us know what shows you want to know about. You can tweet us at ugly underscore werewolf and check out all old shows on www.uglyamericanwerewolf.libsyn.com. Please make sure to download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you like to get them. Next week, we're going to talk about a band that's maybe not quite as hard rock as we have been lately, but certainly a big influence on the young pop years and MTV years of our lives. That's a yet another UK band, Duran Duran. So until next time, folks, all around the world, please, Be cool and stay safe. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 